this is Parsha Tazria Mitzora this week. Do you know that in some communities, this isn't even called Parsha Tazria, it's called Parsha Tahara, because uh, they don't want to even say the word. It's kind of like, you know, kind of like that. And Mitzora, Bechlal, is not called that in some communities. In any case, we refer to it as Tazria and Tazria Mitzora together. And again, as I mentioned, that the Tazria Mitzora is often an opportunity to talk about almost anything but, because A, hard to understand, and B, eh, it's hard to find lofty uh, in it, but we're going to do that. I will tell you very quickly this story. It's really about, uh, about, it's about Tazria Mitzora that happened to me many, many years ago. I was teaching at a school where most of the students came from non-Orthodox homes. Uh, and I had a, a, a great student, an eighth grade girl, um, who came up to me before Pesach and said, uh, listen, my bat mitzvah is after Pesach. Can you help me with my speech? I said, I'd be happy to. We'll sit down right after Pesach vacation, and I'll be happy to help you with it. And I said, by the way, what parsha is your bat mitzvah? She says, parsha kedoshim. I said, oh, kedoshim. That's a home run. That's easy. Great. So I'm looking forward to it. Over Pesach vacation, I got the invitation to her bat mitzvah, and it was for parsha tazria. That was, it must have been a Shana Mubarak. So I came up to her right after Pesach and I said, you know, I'm happy to help you with your speech, but I think it's a mistake because the calendar date is for Parsha Tazria. She goes, oh, yes, my rabbi said Tazria is not a very nice Parsha for girls, so we're going to do Kadoshim instead. So <laughs> we, we, we don't subscribe to that, uh, that theory of convenience with, <laughs> with reading, and we're going to tackle Tazria head on. And we're going to look at something which, again, may, is going to, is going to, well, I'll let it speak for itself. Parsha Tazria is actually not misnamed, but it's, it's, uh, misconstrued because, uh, when you think Tazria, everybody thinks Tzarat. And Tazria and Mitzorah sound alike, so we think Tzarat. But the first eight psukim of Parsha Tazria have nothing to do with Tzarat. They have to do with childbirth. And then the huge parak, parak Yud Gimel is all about Tzarat. And that takes over. And so if you take a look at, we'll just take a look at these few psukim. This is how it starts. If a woman becomes fertile, shall we say. She has a boy. She becomes tmeya for seven days. So we haven't yet encountered nida. We're going to encounter nida in uh, in a couple prakim from here. But the Torah assumes that we know about it and says that she becomes Tmeah like, just like her days of Nida, which is seven days. Right, that's easy. Uvayomashmini imo basaru lato. Right, the eighth day. And this is the one mentioned after Breshit of Brit Milah, uh, meaning as an obligation. Milah is mentioned in other places, but as an obligation, it's mentioned here. And this is the source, by the way, for Nimol, Vayomashmini, Afilu Bishabbat, etc. For the next 33 days, she has, she sits, which means pure blood, which is halakhically translated to mean that any dam that she has is considered to be dam tahor, or dam tohar, as the technical term goes, which means it doesn't impact on her at all. However, she can't have any contact with the kodesh, meaning with kodshim, she can't come to the Mikdash. Those two almost always go hand in hand. Sorry for the pun. Until the conclusion of these days of Tohorah. 
And we're going to find out later what she has to do when these days conclude, because it's not enough for the days to conclude. She has to do something. And this is the first time that we hear about somebody who at the conclusion of a period of Tumah has to do something. We're going to then hear about this in the context of a Mitzorah, and then um, and later on in the context of a Zav and a Zavah. And this is where it starts. Which means, if she has a female, a daughter instead of a son, she becomes Tmeah for two weeks, which means two weeks of Nida, as it were. Now, I'm translating it very sloppily right now, because as you can see, if in fact I highlighted it, that's going to be the, sorry for the pun, that's going to be the pregnant phrase that we're going to deal with. And now for 66 days, she has Dmei Torah. And then the next three psukim tell us what she does when she concludes. And that's the korban, uh, which, of course, she can bring two birds if she can't afford the lamb, etc. Okay, that's Tazria. That's you'll let it. Now, the, there's only one word in this entire piece which is problematic, and that is the word shvuayim. Look at the word shvuayim and tell me how it's spelled. You can see it here without nikudot. How is the word shvuayim? Put it in a nice font that looks like safrut. How does shvuayim spelled? Shivim. Right. It looks like shivim, which would mean how long is she tmeya? Seventy. Seventy days, right? So that's certainly a possibility, but that's not what the halacha is, which leads to the following conversation. In the sifra, in the Torah Kohanim, uh, we read the following. It's only when she actually gives birth. Now notice how the written text of the sifra, the printed text, has the word shvuayim. Right? It has a vav and a, an extra yod in there. Shnei shavuot. What's that mean? Shehem arba'asayom. Two weeks, which is 14 days. Now, i got to ask you a question. For us here, that's the day of the Omer. What? For, for yeah. us, it's the, it's the Omer already. Yeah, yeah. For us, last night <laughs> was Thursday. Um, um, so, is this not so unbelievably obvious that there's no need to say it? Do we all not know what Shvayim means? Shvayim is two weeks. And what's two weeks? 14 days. And yet the Sifra spells out Shnei Shavuot, in case you didn't know it was two weeks. And by the way, in case you can't count, that's 14 days. It's a very strange statement, but here it gets stranger. Shalu Talmidavid, Rabbi Yehuda ben Roetz, or ben Da'atz, various versions of how his name is spelled. By the way, Rabbi Yehuda ben Roetz is somebody who we never heard of before, we'll never hear of again. This is the only place in all of Talmudic literature and it shows up, this conversation. It will be quoted elsewhere. We're going to see that other quote. Because it's a little different. And I'm not going to pronounce the word. So the students say to him, we hear that word. And now I don't know what that word is. I don't know. But they are suggesting something different than the halakha, the halakha being two weeks. Now, based on what are they suggesting this? Based on the fact that if you look in the Torah, 
the word is spelled chaser, shin bet ayin yod mem, which means it could be read several different ways. And what they seem to be asking is, how come we're reading it shvoyim? Why aren't we reading it a different way? Now, what's that different way? We don't know yet. I'm going to now read this again, the way that it was meant to be read by read, people reading the printed version of the of the Sifra, which is, Shomim Anu v'tamah, that's what Jason said, Tamah Shivim. Yachol Tamah Shivim. Maybe she's Tamah for 70 days. Not 14, but 70. So Amar Lahem, what does Rabbi Yehuda ben Roet say back? He says, if you look at the system that the Torah instituted here, it created a parallel between the male being born and the Tumavitahara that follows and the female being born. Because after all, it's clear that after the male was born, she has 33 days of Dam Tohar. And after the female is born, she has 66 days of Dam Tohar. So he says as follows, Just like her days of Tohar are doubled for when when she has a girl, as opposed to when she had a boy. Similarly, her days of Tumah should be doubled. All right? Now, that's the first thing he said, which means I'm proving that our reading of the word Shvuayim is an accurate reading of the Torah based on the rest of the context in the system, the structure. Now the students walked out. They left. They didn't storm out. They left. Rabbi Yudaman writes, ran after them and said, which literally means, I didn't even need to to respond to you. (laughs) We're going to see a different version of this in the Babli. And he says, Now, what does that mean? So for right now, we're going to read it as meaning that the, the, that the correct way to understand a pasuk is the way that we read it with the nekudot that aren't there in the Sefer Torah, but we have a tradition of how to read it. And the way we read it is Shvu'ayim. And since we read Shvu'ayim, Therefore, it means two weeks, right? Which means I didn't need to give you my structural analysis and the parallel between male and female to prove it's two weeks. It's two weeks because the Torah says Shvu'ayim. How do I not say Shvu'ayim? Because we read Shvu'ayim, even though the word is written in a way that could be read Shivim. But now watch what happens. And now, we're going to say as follows. We have Tumavatar Rav, it's a boy. Tumavatar Rav, it's a girl. Which is what I just argued. That since 66 is 2 times 33, therefore, Shwai must be double of Shiva. Okay. And then watch this. Maybe there's a different way to analyze it. Meaning, look at the same box from a different perspective. Zachar Think about this. A Zachar has only seven days of Tumah. 
He has only 33 days of Tahara. So you may team. And the way he's looking at it is sort of like the 33 days are enough to overpower the seven. Right? Now, and the Keva has 66 days of Tahara. And in other words, 33 days are enough to roll over seven. 66 should be able to steamroll even a smaller amount. And therefore, he's saying maybe when you give birth to a girl, it should be less than seven. Now, you can never go less than seven because you're building a Kalvachomer. And what's the rule of Kalvachomer? You can never make the Chamor be, be more than the Kal. It can only be as much as the Kal. Or the Kal can never be less than the Chamor. It can only be as little as the Chamor. In either direction you want to go. It says, therefore, the girl should also be seven days. And it brings us back to the beginning, which is, stated that Shvoyim means two weeks, which is 14 days. Now you understand, this bright is very strange, but it will get even stranger as we turn the page. What you have here is the finest Ktaviad of the Sifra. It is Vatican number 66, if you're interested. You can see it online. I got it online, copied it for it to here. And this was written in Bavel in the 10th century. And it is broadly considered to be the most accurate and finest taviat of the Sifra. One interesting phenomenon here is that this text is uh, vocalized. There's Nikudot. Now, you look at the Nikudot, and just as an aside, but it's going to be important for us, is the Nikudot are on top of the letters. You see them? Mm-hmm. This is what we call Nikud Bavli. Remember, there were two schools of Masoretes in the 6th to ninth centuries. There were the Tiverian, Tavrani Masoretes, and the Babylonian Masoretes. And they're the ones who developed Nikudot. They developed these signs that we use for vowels. The Tavrani custom, which is what we adopted, or the, the approach, was to put the vowels under the letters. Babli was to put on top of the letters. All right. So now we take a look at our passage. Um, here we go. Um, now look at that word. You see the word that I'm pointing to? The arrow's pointing to? Mm-hmm. Using the Nikudot, it's pretty clear that it reads Shvoyim, which means, hey, why don't we read Shvoyim, which is a pretty weird thing to say, considering we do read Shvoyim, and Shvoyim means two weeks. So what are they offering as an alternative that he has to respond to? And then they say, Yachol Shvoyim which is very weird because they're saying, oh, I might think that you're, that she's Tmeah for Shvuayim, just like Nida. But what do you mean? That's exactly what she is. And then he responds. Amar Laham, and he responds the way he responds. There's a system, twice as much of, of Tahara, there must be twice as much Tumah. It must be, uh, it must be, uh, that she's Tmeah for two weeks. But they just said two weeks. It's all very confusing. And then, 
יצא המחזיר אחריהם, so it sounds like, מאחר שנפטרו, יצא המחזיר אחריהם, it sounds like he sent somebody out to get them, אמר להם, לא הייתי צריך להזקק לכם, I didn't need to respond to you, מפני שיש אום למקרא, or אם למקרא. What does he mean by that? He means, you have to read the text the way that it's traditionally read, which is exactly what they're proposing, Shvoyim. The conversation sounds very strange. It's like me saying to you, I'm going to propose that the sun rises in the east. You can't say that. The sun rises in the east. Aha, but I'll prove to you the sun rises in the east. Sounds like a strange conversation. Ella zuchuvala davar. Timei v'tiher b'zachar, timei v'tiher b'nekevah, and that's exactly the way that we saw the rest of the bright though. Very strange back and forth. What's going on? So I want to show you where this piece shows up in the Bavli. And it shows up in the Bavli in the context of a group of, um, of passages. We're not going to go through all the passages. You have them here. in the When the Torah commands us to sit in Sukkot, it says Sukkot three times. Look how Sukkot is written. You see how it's written? This is how the traditional text of the Torah reads. Bas Sukkot without a Vav, Bas Sukkot without a Vav, Bas Sukkot with a Vav. Um, totafot, in our traditional text. Totafot with a, with a first Vav, Totafot no Vavs, Totafot with the first Vav, none of them have the second Vav at the last syllable. Right? Um and where is this all coming from? So I'm gonna, we're going to cut straight to the Sugyan Sanhedrin because we're going to then roll that back to the Sifra and you see something wild. Amar Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Yosef, Amar Rabbi Yochanan. So Rabbi Yochanan, who liked to do this, he liked to identify different Tanaim who had a common position on some theoretical or conceptual point. Rabbi Rabbi Yehuda ben Roetz, there he shows up again, is the only other time. Ubeit Shammai, for Rabbi Shimon, for Rabbi Akiva. All of them, Kulu Svirolahu, Yesh Eim Lamikra. They all agree, Yesh Eim Lamikra, which means, how do you interpret a Pasuk? You interpret a Pasuk based on the way that we traditionally read it. And not based on the orthography and the various ways it could be read. Right? Rebbe is the earlier discussion. It's in Sanhedrin because it's talking about the size of a Beitin based on Yarshi'un without a Vav. We would have been row eights. And now they quote our piece, but watch how different it is. The Tanya. Shalu Talmidim at Rebbe Yudah ben row eights. Ekra'ani Shiva'im. 70. Yacholte Yoledit Nekevat Mea Shiva'im. And Rashi here says explicitly, right? It doesn't say Shvu'ayim with a Vav and a, an extra Yod. So therefore, I have every reason to read it as Shivim 70. Shivim for 70 days. And then what was his answer? His answer was the structure, double, etc. And then Yatsa Umachzir Achareim. He ran out after them. Now this is very different because in the Sifra, what he says to them is, I didn't even need to respond to you. You guys were wrong-headed for asking. Here he says, I made a mistake. Let me correct it. Which is different says, you don't really need that as an answer. Shvuayim karinan, meaning, how do we read the word? Shvuayim v'yesh'em la mikra. 
So in the context here of Sanhedrin, it's very clear that what is meant is the students suggested maybe she's Tmeya for 70 days. Now, by the way, they weren't suggesting this as a halachic point. They weren't trying to change the halacha to have Tumat Yoleret for a Nekevah be 70 days. They were just saying, why isn't it 70 days? After all, the Torah says, Shin bet ayin yod mem. And his, he turns around and says, if you did that, you would mess up the entire structure of double. Because if the tahara is double of the tuma, 33, is 60, sorry, if the tahara is double from female to male, 66 to 33, then the tuma should also be double 14 to 7. All right, and not 70. And by the way, that's the end of that of that contribution to the sugya. They then go on to Beit Shammai and talk about how many t- corners of the Mizbeach the Diavad the Chatat has to have Daman. Rabbi Shimon says Yesh Eim Mikra, and therefore he says you need three full walls in the Sukkah and a fourth partial because he reads Sukkot Sukkot Sukkot, and therefore you have how many walls? Six. All three plurals, and then it's a complex piece that you have to look at here and in and in Sukkot, right? And um, and then we take a look at um, at a fascinating piece with Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Kiva says, Those of you who've been studying that Fiomi recently encountered this in Nazir. How do you know that if you have two people who died? And they had a little bit of dam come out, and together it's revit dam. How do we know that it's matami be'ol? Shenemar, I'll call nafshot mate loyavo. Look at the word nafshot. It's spelled without a vav, which means you could read it nafshat mate. But it, we read nafshot, and therefore Rabbi Kiva says that's how you how you um, interpret it nafshot based on the proper traditional reading, right? Yes. Yeah. But don't they disagree on the traditional reading too? No, they agree on the traditional reading. Everybody knows in Rabbi Kiva's Shul and Rabbanan's Shul, the guy has to read, I'll call Nafshot Meit Loyavo. But the Rabbanan say, look, Nifashat Ktiv. In other words, the way the Torah is written allows us to interpret it differently. But not read right? it differently. So what? That's, that's the Ktiv Kri, what, what you have in the side. It's not Ktiv Kri. Ktiv Kri means. That it's written one way, and we read it differently than it's written. Here we're talking about words that are written with insufficient vowels, and therefore can be read several ways. There's a traditional way to read it, which is nafshot, but with the with the letters there, it could be nafshat. But how do we know they agreed on the traditional reading? Because otherwise, the disagreement wouldn't be about whether yesh em mikra. Their disagreement would be about what's the word. Oh, that's so bizarre. Okay. I, oh, yeah. I, I told you, today's bizarre. Now, I mean, it's bizarre that they agreed on the reading, but on the reading, but not on the, with the writing. They, no, they agreed on the writing. They no, I'm thinking in terms of what the words could be, but they did. They, they, they have the same Sefer Torah, same letters. And yeah. they agreed on how it should be publicly read. The right. question is, can I interpret the Torah based on a different way to read it? Which right. we're going to see what that's called in a minute. So now, watch this. A wild example. Wild because it's something we're very familiar with. Is there anybody in the world who thinks differently than Yeshem Lamikra? Is there anybody who thinks we can interpret the Torah differently than the traditional way of reading it? Vatanya. 
which means you can't see the kid in its mother's what? Milk. I might think that all the Torah is prohibiting here is cooking meat in fat. Because chalav and chalev are spelled the same way. And it's just a question of vocal vowels. And by the way, here you don't have any other letters you can put in. You can't put a vav or a yod in here. Chalav and chalev are spelled chet bet. Amarta? Yesh em lamikra. The answer is, of course, yesh em lamikra. And how do we know that you're not allowed to have milk and meat and that the issue is not meat and fat? Because we read, and not sorry. So in other words, we're saying everybody agrees with the Yishim Lamikra. And now for the doozy at the end of the Yishim Lamikra, and we're going to circle back to the Sifra because we're going to see something wild. Does everybody agree with this principle? Vatanya, get ready for this. Now, by the way, do you see the orthography there? The first two are written without any extra letters, right? The third one is written with two vobs. You see it? Harekan Arba. How do we get Arba? Because Latotafot could be read Latotafet. And Latotafot could be read Latotafet, which is singular, singular. One, one. And then the totafot, that's plural. One, one, and two is harekan arba. The Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi Shmuel says, how do I know that my tefillin and shorosh have to have four sections? Because the totafot, the totafot, the totafot. Rabbi Kiva says, I don't need that. Now, by the way, what's Rabbi Shmuel here doing? <coughs> Not reading Yishim Lamikra. He's saying, I'm looking at the way the letters are spelled, and I can interpret it based on that against the way that we read it. Nobody in the world reads this world as the word as the Totefet in in Dvarim Vav, Dvarim Yudalef, or in uh, Shmot Yud Gimel. We always read the Totefot, and yet it could be read the Totefet, and therefore I'm going to interpret it as singular and not plural. And Rabbi Kiva comes with this famous thing: the Tat in one language is two, and Pat in a related language is two. Ancient Egyptian, right? Or Katfi is right, and and together that comes four, right? Said, oh, so the answer is that's when the the letters would be different. Everybody agrees that when the same exact letters. And there's no missing letters. There's no helpful vowels that aren't there. That we always follow the Yeshem Lamikra, and therefore Lot Vashel Gidi But and there's other examples of that. Lirot and Leiraot. It, it's a it's a fascinating sugi which we may pick up again in two weeks when we talk about Mimacharata Shabbat, perhaps. But in any case, just as a side note, which is wild, is you see the Totafot here. Look what Tosfot here says. Tosfot says. Our Gomorrah says the Totafot, the last one has a vav, two vavs. He says, Lok Tivav and Pelotav Bakulu. He says, none of them have a vav here. Right? Meaning our Sifre Torah aren't written the way the Gomorrah records it. And by the way, Tosut says our Sifre Torah look like this, and our Sifre Torah don't look like that either. Which means there is changing orthography in in the text of the Totafot 
between the times of the Gemara and what Tosfot had available and what we have, but that's a piece for for another another session. I want to take us back to the Sifra and point out the Sifra was quoted here in the context of this discussion, where it's clear the students were lobbying for a 70, 70 day tumah shivim. And Rabbi Yerman Ra'at said that would mess up the system. And then he said, which means our tradition is to read it Shvoyim. And Shvoyim means two weeks, finished, end of report. However, in the Sifra, that won't work. That won't work because it's clear in the Sifra that, look at that, Yacholte Tmea Shvoyim. Remember, in the version of the Sifra, which is the original, the students are asking, wait a second, why is she Tmeah for two weeks? She should be Tmeah for two weeks. We noticed that how bizarre that was. So Professor Shlomo Na'er wrote uh, two articles on this topic um, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, uh, in which he made a, a bold proposal, which I'll share with you in two weeks, because it has, has to do with, with Mohara Shabbat. Professor David Henschke, who I mentioned in the in the uh Header, header here, had a different approach, which I'll share with you. He said as follows, the word shvoyim, shin bet ayin yod mem, or with a vav or without a vav, or with two yods or without, doesn't matter. How many times does it show up in Tanakh? Shvoyim. The answer is, is the only place it shows up in Tanakh. Right. Right. Now, what does it mean? What does the word mean? And if you think about it, there's something a little bit strange about the text. Let's look back at the text. What happens if she has a boy? Tama shivat yamim. Shivat yamim. What happens if she has a girl? Tama shvuayim. What should it say? If the, if we want these to be parallel, what should it say? 14 days. Arbaasayom. Or here it should say Shavua instead of Shivat Yamin. It's very unclear what the how the this Shuaim doesn't seem to fit. The second problem is Shuaim Kinidata. If you think about it, that's an oxymoron. How long is Nida? Seven days. Right. So how do you have Shuaim Kinidata? So here's what Professor Enschke suggested in the in the Sifra. He says, Yachol shvuayim, and what he mean what they mean is maybe the word shvuayim is just some fancy way of saying a week. After all, I have no other example of the word shvuayim anywhere in Tanakh that tell me it means two weeks. So maybe that's what it means. And after all, can need data. How long is Nida? Seven days. So now, let's go back. Shalu talmidei atalmidim at Rabbi Yudah ben Ratz. O shomim anu v'tama shvu'ayim. Right, which means, that's what the Pasuk says. We're reading it the way you read it. No problem. Yachol t'meya shvu'ayim kinidata. Meaning, what that may mean is that she's t'meya for a week. Like Nida. So what was his answer? His answer was the system. The system is that there's twice as much tahara 
for the girl. Therefore, there must be twice as much tumah for the for the girl. Okay. And then he said, I didn't even need to respond to that because yesh aim la mikra. What did he mean here? He didn't mean what it means later in the Bavli, which is that when we're looking at the Torah, we have to interpret it based on the traditional way of reading it. The word aim here means, just like it means in the Bavli, it means a, a, a shore, a root, an anchor. There's an anchor for this mikra, meaning even though the word shvuayim does not show up anywhere else in Tanakh, the suffix of pairs shows up all over Tanakh. Oznayim lahem velo yishmau. Einayim lahem velo yiru. Raglayim velo yalechu. Yadayim, right? Machanayim. Machanayim. We have lots of that example. It says yesh em lamikra, or in this text actually yesh om lamikra, means that there is a, there that if you look textually, if you look, shall we say, philologically at that ending, you will find that there are other examples of it, and they do mean double. So Shvayim does mean double. Now, you see that this is true because what happens at the end of the of the Stifra, which is not quoted in the Bavli, they say, "Aha, uh-huh, you have double Tahara. so there must be double Tuma." Or you can go in another direction, which is. If the sixty-six, the thirty-three days were enough to knock out seven, sixty-six should certainly knock out seven. Meaning, what was on the table? They were suggesting, not the practical halacha. What were they suggesting? That 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 the tuma should be seven days for a girl also. And the arguments went back and forth. What was the final the knocker for it? Was yesh emla which means that there is an a source. For reading Shvuayim, not because of the word Shvuayim, but because of other ways that word show, that that suffix shows up as a pair, and indeed it was two weeks. A long convoluted way. What I want to show you is that this concept of Yesh Emel Mikra does not show up anywhere else in Tanakh literature except here, and here it doesn't mean what it means elsewhere. What it ends up meaning in the Bavli and a long list of cases is. When we read a pasuk in the Torah, and this is, by the way, not, doesn't show up anywhere in the Yerushalmi. It seems to be a totally Babylonian development. Um, that when you look at a pasuk in the Torah, do you have the ability to interpret the words based on the letters that are there, even if they're vocalized differently? Or are you limited to reading it only in the way that it's traditionally read? And that's Yeshem Lamikra and its opposite number, which is Yesh Aim Lamasorah. And has impacts on the Korban Khatat and has issue uh, in, impact on uh, how many walls in your sukkah, and it has impact on how we know there's four things for Batim of Tfilin, right? And how many people on a Beitin, all sorts of implications of how we read it. So an interesting little foray into Midrash Halacha uh, in honor of Parsha Tazriel with really some far reaching um, uh, consequences, which we'll t- touch on again in two weeks. Um, when we talk about Maharana Shabbat, uh, but also part of this is a question of how how open are we? How how open are the gates of interpretation when you have a fixed text in front of you, but the fixed text is not does not have vowels, and how liberal a read is allowed within halakha of that word in the Torah.
And so that's something to ponder. So it's one thing. So when you show the totafot with the vav and the other words that have the vav and don't have the vav, what what is the is that connected to the aim lamikra? That's a different thing. Yeah, no, that's exactly what he's saying. Is because if you say yesh aim lamikra, well, he's saying yesh aim lamasorit, which means that you can interpret the words based on the letters that are there, even if it's different than it's read. Which means Rabbi Ishmael saying, even though I read the words letotafot, letotafot, letotafot. Since they could be read, the Totefet one, the Totefet yeah. one, the Totefet two, that gives me four. So I have the room. I have the the poetic license. The, the lead, what? The poetic license, but legal. It's not poetic license, but I have the license, midrashic yeah. license. I'm poetic. Yeah. I have the I have the midrashic license to interpret the words of the Torah based on a reading of them, which is a legitimate reading, but is not the traditional reading. Legitimate meaning because I'm not substituting letters at all. And based on that, to uh, to arrive at Allah. Now, in this case, Rabbi Shmuel is just saying, here's a source for something we already know, which is for uh, for Batim and the Tefillin. Nobody disagrees about that. But above, we have Machlokot, Rabbi Shimon, and Rabbanan about how many walls you need in the sukkah. And that, in this sugya, is anchored in how liberally we're willing to look at the word Sukkot in the Torah where Rabbi Shimon says, it's red Sukkot, Sukkot, Sukkot. I don't care if the Vav or not. And therefore, that's two, 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 that's six. And then how we get down to three, you'll see. And Rabbanon say, no, Yeshem Lamasoret, which means Sukkot, Sukkot, Sukkot. That's four. And then minus two. But they don't explain why there's a Vav and not a Vav. That's a different topic. I mean, why there would be a Vav sometimes. Right, exactly. They're not concerned with that. They're concerned with the fact that in reality, that's what's there. So can okay, I? But that's not part of that. That's not part of Emel Mekra. This is Bob or Emel Mekra is t- t- is saying once I have this reality, yeah. What am what room? Right, you can play have, with. What flexibility do I have, if you will, in interpreting it, um, uh, based on that, uh, based on that unusual spelling? And in the original document from the 10th century, why is that Aleph off on Mekra written above? Uh that's very likely a. Um, and call it I thought it meant Makor as opposed to Mikra. No, it, it does not thing. mean that, but it, it, there's something else going on. Is that this word, Mikra, actually, and this is the reason for it, actually, if you look very carefully, you can see that un- originally what he wrote was Yesh Aim La Davar. And he erased the word Davar, and instead he wrote Mikra, but there wasn't room for an extra letter. Oh, that's so funny. the Rash is left over. The kuf you could see is yeah, I see. The, I understand. right, and then yeah. the aleph had to be added in, but that's a whole piece by itself uh-huh. because it has a lot to do with uh, with Naya's article, which we'll talk about then. So cool. in the meantime, everybody should have a and uh, next week we'll we'll study together. It'll be Yom Atzmaut, uh, and you guys will be hopefully post Mongol, and we'll be uh, pre Mongol here. Okay.